We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Good morning. What a blessing to be here. Uh, it's pretty amazing to, uh, well, fly a quarter of the way around the world, maybe, uh, to get here and just feel among family and just feel right at home. Uh, what, a, what a great experience. Uh, so beautiful to be able to come in, just coming in and seeing the joy and the love of God moving among you and feel the spirit moving during worship. It's awesome, awesome. We're living in uh, such difficult times. It's kind of, I guess maybe because I'm a child of the 60s and came to the Lord in 74, celebrating 50 years of knowing the Lord. Uh, I, I suppose for that, I don't know if that has, or, or maybe just from being old, um, as, the, as the world gets more and more shaken and things get more and more crazy, I get more and more excited. Maybe it's just from being in the Lord and knowing that the Lord has great things for his church. That these are, as, as we have these opportune moments uh, with, for God to move and, and seeing what God, how, how God's moving around the world and, and moving in our lives and realizing that the church can take such um, great strides to reach people who are so lost as the nations rage the Lord is moving among them and moving among us. And um, I think that's particularly true for what the Lord's doing here. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the word that you've prepared for us this morning. I just pray that it would inspire, encourage, strengthen, and prepare us for, for what's, what's happening and what's coming ahead, Lord Jesus. Um, it's been such a great blessing, too, as, as John has, has joined our team and, uh, and the AIM team just it's ministered to my life so much. It's so uh, encouraging to be uh, with him and Don whenever they've come and been with us and strengthened us and inspired us and encouraged us to see God's grace and God's power and to, and to hear and know uh, more and more about Lifeline and see what the Lord has done here throughout the years and encouraging us in, in Ecuador because we really share a lot of, uh, of the same DNA. And it's, and it's been so encouraging to see what God has for all of us uh, ahead in the future. One of our, uh, during these times, one of our, John Dean, um, who is also an amazing man of God, a prophet, <coughs> Has been got a vision some time ago about a, a low burning flame in the streets that he said would would be the beginning of a, a real move of God and real church growth, and, and I believe that that prophetic word really has a lot to do with what God's doing here in Lifeline at this point. I mean, you definitely are a people who are prepared for this opportunity, to people who have gone to the streets and continue to go to the streets. And, that, and I think you've experienced uh, during this time that low burning flame that's beginning as the, of the move of God. And, and there's been a time of harvest. And like the word came forth today, that's, that's, just the be, that's just the beginning of some of the amazing things that God has prepared for us. <clears throat> and um, 
It's important for us to be prepared for those, what, the, what, what Ephesians says is the, and make the best of every opportunity, the, the kairos moments, those moments of opportunities, because we can miss them. They can be missed. It, it happened in, 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 in Scripture when the Israel, Israelites went. They're ready to take the promised land, and suddenly fear overcame in their hearts and dread for what was ahead, and they kind of they chickened out. And then they, when they realized they weren't going to go in, they changed their mind. And God said, mm, you missed it. And out to the desert. And that, that can happen to us. And I think there's a, there's a warning. And I think we really do need to catch the, the, the heart of the, of the Lord and be inspired to, to really move forward and take advantage of this amazing time that we're living in. I, 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 I thought, too, about a, a story from 2 Kings chapter uh, 13 when Joash was before Elijah and, and he, the army was coming against them and the, the king prophesied of what was going to happen, that he was going to have a great victory and he said, take, take these bunch of arrows and strike them on the ground. And I kind of get this picture of Joash going up and just going, and the prophet got mad. He said, what? Why didn't you just strike it five or six times? You only struck it three times. He said, you would have completely had a victory and destroyed, destroyed your enemy totally. And it was just that lack of enthusiasm, excitement about taking advantage of the moment. And, and I really think it's a warning from God uh, for us. I, I, some people say after World War II, the same thing happened e even in, in life when uh, we went into Japan, MacArthur was there, and he called for missionaries. The Japanese people were open to the gospel, which is one of the more clo closed nations of the gospel. But he really sensed that they were open because they had been defeated. The, their god, the emperor, had been shown that wasn't much of a god. And so they were open. And so he called for missionaries, and very few missionaries responded. Very few people. I mean, the world war, war was over. People wanted to get back to their normal lives and weren't really ready for that adventure. And I think that's a, a real warning for us. I think we need to be prepared. It's a good Boy Scout motto that I, from Sir Baden-Powell, good Englishman, to be prepared for what's ahead. And I think God wants us to be prepared. And as I... I want to use as a scripture this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul opens, and I feel, I feel a lot like that as I'm here, here with you, just sharing the heart of what Lifeline is and seeing the love of God among you and who you are in God's sight, being, being with John and Don and different leaders of the church and seeing the quality of of who you are and what God has done for you, seeing God's love for you. It reminds me of the opening of 1 Timothy where Paul talks to Timothy, calls him his beloved son, tells him how he remembers his tears the last time they were with him, reminds him of his heritage that he received from his mother and his grandmother. That's the way he opens um, 2 Timothy 1. It just reminds me of, of, of Lifeline. The heritage that you've received from John, the heritage that you're, you're taking on more and more and, and bringing into the 
the a activity even more and more into the next generation. I just sense that same, as I'm among you, I sense that same heart, that same love, that same admiration and expectation. And so that in, 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 in mind, Paul starts out the next verse there at verse 6. He says, for this reason, for this reason, because of that love, because of that heritage, because of what God has prepared, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. And I believe that's what God's saying to the church today, to, 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 for, for the reason of who you are, for the heritage you've received, for 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 all that God has done and all that God has prepared for you that's ahead for you, for this reason, fan into flames the gift that God has placed in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And this morning, I want to I want to look at the different parts of this verse, and 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 really share with you. <laughs> You know, when people say they uh, they really want to hear a fresh word, and I'm not really all that into fresh words, but you know, the, the, the two thousand year old words are pretty good too, aren't they? Um, but but it is it is exciting as as you pray for this time with you that yeah, I didn't take an old message and refresh it, but got this. I believe this scripture for this church and this body at this time. So I believe God is saying, fan into flames the gift that God has placed in you. And, and, and that, that speaks about our part. That speaks again about being prepared. It speaks again that God has given us something, but we have to fan it into flames. We have to pay attention to what God is doing and be intentional to, to take that gift that God has, has given us and go, and he it reminds me when I think about that the scripture in, in in Hebrews when it talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, don't don't forsake the fanning into flame this gift that God has placed among you. It's in, in Hebrews it says all the more as you see the day approaching. And I think if we lift up our eyes, we can see that the fields are ripe for harvest. We can see that the days are approaching, that the nations are raging, that. People are hungry, more hungry for God than ever before. And I think we need to fan into flame all the more the gift that God has placed in you as you see the day approaching. And how, how, I think it's really important desire to have. A, and, and desire sometimes is hard to work up. I, I know for me, I'm kind of a low-key person sometimes. I remember one time somebody prophesied to me. They said, you're going to get excited about what God's going to do. And I go, and God's going to surprise you. I said, no, I don't really get surprised. I don't really get real excited about something. I'm not kind of a jump around person. I guess that's why the Lord sent me to Latin America, so I could <laughs> learn to get a little more excited and jump around. Um, but... I, I, I have found in my life that really burning desire is something that God wants to put more and more in my life. And it's, and it's important to wake up with that passion. And I think that's part of what helps us to f fan into flame that, 
gift and what God's got for each one of us as the body of Christ, as the priesthood of believers. No one can say, well, I don't have much of a calling. I don't have much of a part to play. I really believe each one of us has a part to play. And when I think about that, it reminds me of the, when I first came to the Lord and I first read the book, book of Acts. I don't know how many of you experienced that, but I read the book, read the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and it's like, wow, I can do all that stuff too. I get to, I get to be the next chapter of Acts. I get to do these things. God has all that for, and not only me, but for my family and for my friends and the people who I, I walk with. That's part of what God has for me. I remember that, that, that excitement and that thrill of, of wanting to earnestly desire, earnestly desire, passionately desire the best gifts. I remember reading the first time through Corinthians 12, and it's like, gosh, which which one of these do I want? Which one of these do I have? Which one of these do I get to, you know, prophecy or tongues or interpretation of tongues, faith, healing, words of wisdom? It's like, which one? And it's like, I want them all. I want them all. And you know what? We can get them all. If you're in a place with your family or your friends or in the church and you knew one of those 12 gifts, God wants to use you in each one of those 12 gifts. I think, I think all 12 gifts are for all of us at the time we need them, at the time for, with love. If God has placed someone in our lives, so, a, a person in front of us at work or on the streets or in our family who needs one of those gifts and, and love inspires us, we can flan, fan that into flame, we can earnestly desire it, and God will move through us with a miracle with a word of wisdom, with a word of knowledge, with a word of faith to really minister to that person. That's the wonderful things about the gifts of the Spirit. We need that, that desire. And I think I remind, I'm reminded of Psalms 119 where it says, because that, that was something that happened to me at a time I was, I was, I went through a dry period. I think we've all been there. Where it's just like, the word of God was, I was reading it. It was just, this was, I don't know, probably 20 some years ago. And it's just like, oh, gotta read the Word of God. You know, it almost seemed like some kind of spiritual exercise. And I, and I got to this somewhere, it says, How sweet is your word to me? It's like honey to my lips. And I thought, Man, I want that. I want that back. How did I lose it? But I, it's like, how do you, how do you get that back? And so I just spent a little time each day saying, Lord, I want your word to be honey to my lips. Please, Lord, give me that desire. And boom. Happened many years ago. And ever since that time, I can honestly, deeply say that his word is like honey to my lips. Every time I open it. Where did that came from, come from? It came from him. So if you're lacking desire and you need to have the desire to flame, you need to have that excitement because you feel like you don't have it, all you have to do is ask. Ask the Lord and he'll, he'll put that in your heart. First Peter says about the gifts, how important they are. I, I love this scripture. It's just come to me more powerfully than, and more and more recently. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use the gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's 
I like the King James says, multiform uh, grace of God. The various forms of the grace of God. Each one of you has been given a gift. It's important to realize that. Each one of us has been given a gift so that we can be stewards. We can administer properly the various forms. The grace of God that's going to come through you when it's needed for a particular person, for your family, for yourself. The grace of God that's going to come from you is distinct. It's a, the gift that you have is distinct. You know, say, people say, I've heard, I've heard it said, and I, I've wondered about it recently. I don't, I don't think it's so true that if, if we don't step out, if we don't do it, God will just raise up somebody else to do it. I'm not sure that's true. I think sometimes if we don't step out and do what we're called to do and fan into flame that gift that we've been given, maybe things that God wants to do here in this city, here through this church, maybe won't happen. So we need to really seek God. And, and when, when, when discouragement comes, when you step out and you blow it, or you step out and don't do it right, don't, don't be discouraged. That's so important. Re, 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 just keep going. Keep digging in and, and, and let God use you, correct you, adjust you. It's a real adventure. That's part of the excitement that needs to be in our heart is that we're really experiencing an adventure with God. Then Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I think that's a... That's an important part of the, of the message because I believe, I believe that fear is a spirit. And I believe that Satan has been coming against the church with various spirits. A, a, a while before the pandemic, I got a vision of like these three ugly, horrible, filthy frogs jumping out of a mouth. An ugly, horrible, disgusting mouth. And I um, thought, I've seen that somewhere in Scripture. And it is in Revelations, about from the false prophet, and, and um, that, that frogs, three lying spirits, will be sent to the nations to deceive the nations before the coming of the Lord. And, and, I, and, and, and I asked the Lord what those lying spirits were. And one of the biggest ones, and the primary one, was fear. I think a spirit of fear, and I just saw, and then after that, I just saw over and over again fear coming on the, the church through the pandemic, through illnesses, through wars and rumors of wars, through financial crises and political upheaval and all the things that are coming on the world, just this, this spirit of fear coming on, on us. We really, and we need to realize it's a spirit of fear. And I think along with stirring up the gifts, we need to stand fast against fear. I don't think we need to have any fear in our life whatsoever. And I say that, you know, Jesus wept. He, he had all gamut of emotions. When he was in Gethsemane, his, his soul was in anguish. But I don't believe that Jesus ever experienced fear. And I don't think we're supposed to be experienced. Certainly there's the natural fear if you see something that looks like a snake or a spider or a rat. You have a few rats in Ecuador. That's a, if you're not afraid of a rat, something that would be, gives you a little bit of chills. But, but, you know, I'm talking about that 
that fear of like stepping out, that fear of, of seeking God for greater things, that fear of opening your mouth and sharing the gospel, moving in a gift, the fear of what's ahead, the anxiety about tomorrow, and, 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 and the greatest fear, the fear of death, needs to be eliminated from our lives. Really, I, I, I was so blessed. We were going to Ecuador, and we, we actually, we, we were, our, our, our plane ride was on the, on the news. We were coming from Ecuador to the United States, and the plane dropped like, like a rock for 10,000 feet. And the engines were going, right! But just the second before that happened, I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I have some neck problems. The doctor said if I get in an and I and I wasn't even thinking about my neck. I was more asleep, but the plane just went, and I went, grabbed my seatbelt and snapped it on, and uh, and I it was totally uncon. Usually it takes me about ten minutes to get my seatbelt on by the time I find it and sitting on it. Um, snapped it on, and, and and the engines were roaring. I thought for sure a wing came off or a motor. Uh, People were screaming, and, and actually everybody flew up, broke the ceiling, flew up twice. First time, the, the, steward, the stewards looked like they were, and I looked over, Marilyn was, we, we like to get aisle seats, I looked over at her and she looked at me and kind of smiled at each other like, wow, this could be it. <laughs> I was, I was real proud of us, but you know, I I, I think it's a it's a work. I, maybe it's because living in Ecuador with all the unrest, and it's like you know, if you let that if you let that take over, you'll be in big trouble every day. And and but I just believe that it again, like like that honey to my lips word, it's something God can work in our life because it, it, the spirit of fear is really can hold us back. Of all, if we want to be prepared for what is ahead. If you have any fears in your life, you need to really seek God that he would deliver you. And once again, it's his power. It's he, it's he that can deliver you. And, and, and don't let that spirit of fear hold you back. We need to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he says he's, what he has given us is a spirit of, of power, of love, and a sound mind. I want to cover each one of those briefly. I want to start with a sound mind because I really believe that a sound mind is, is something important. It's, it's, it's interesting as I looked at this, this word, this particular work, word in Greek is translated in different ver, uh, versions in different ways. It talks about self-control, which I don't believe much in self-control because um, I've never been able to control myself very much. But I have managed over the years to allow the spirit to control me. Uh, and kind of bring me to the place where I can kind of control some things. But it, self-control, I'm not, I don't, I don't re- really believe that. I, I mean, obviously, you control yourself, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the gospel is all about. That's where he receives the glory and honor. You know, when you realize you don't have any patience, and suddenly God gives you patience. That happened to me a, a, a while back. Because I... In Ecuador, I, you, bank, bank lines are long. Banks are very frustrating. I mean, the first time I was going to open up an account, they go, well, you need three recommendations. It's like, wait, I'm giving you money, and you need three recommendations? It's like, and, and just on and on. I could go on and on. So I, I've been in Ecuador. For, we've been in Ecuador for 35 years. We love being in Ecuador. We're, that's most of my life. So I've been in Ecuador more than in the US. Um, 
but I, my wife has to do all the banking because <laughs> I don't have any self-control when I go to the bank. So I don't, I, I don't go to banks. But, but I've always known that God wanted to work patience in life. And then about two years ago, sometimes, well, it was before, we kind of date everything by the pandemic, don't we? It kind of helps, especially when you're older. Uh, it was a while before the pandemic, and the Lord said, I'm going to work patience in your life. And then I had to renew my visa, just renew my visa after being there for over 30 years. It took me like a year to renew my visa, and it was very trying to go in and stand in line. And, and you know, in the beginning, I started getting frustrated. I said, I'm going to give you patience. It's like, okay, give me patience. And I was able to smile and be nice to everybody. And when they treated me bad, I was able to say, thank you very much. It was really, and it was, it was supernatural. And then uh, a motorcycle crashed into me. And in Ecuador, if a motorcycle crashes into you, it's your fault, always. So the police picked me up and took me in and did all the testing and they were gonna send me to jail because you have to be in jail until the motorcycle guy comes out okay. So it was a long trial. My car was in compound for like a month and during the whole time it was like, this is all good. God's got everything in hand. They were gonna put me in jail and just the, and everybody was trying to get me out, all my friends, lawyers, go to the church and Finally, they said, well, it's time to go in. And all of a sudden, in my mind, it popped, oh, I was going to have a gallbladder surgery, and I have all the paperwork that I was going to go to the clinic, like, two days, two, the next two days. So just he said, well, you got to go into jail. I go, oh, by the way, I do for gallbladder surgery. I hope nothing happens to me in jail. <laughs> so I called, the guy called everybody, and... And so they sent me to the clinic. I spent the night in the clinic to get my gallbladder operation the next day, and two armed guards, guards were outside. And with a name like Guido, I felt like the godfather. <laughs> you know, they, they were visiting with armed guards outside. But I didn't have to go to jail. So, you know, and what I'm, what, I tell that story to say that God's patience, again, with a, with a man who doesn't have much control, didn't have much patience, all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to give you patience. And once you got it, you got it. That's, that's where, and during several other trials during this time, I finally could get the scripture that says, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. It's like, hey, that scripture always bothered me. It's like, count it all joy? In, 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 in Spanish, it says sumo gozo, like kind of sumo wrestler, sumo wrestler, you know? Like the maximum joy. It's like, I don't think so. And I started thinking about my trials, and I thought, every time I go through a trial, I kind of fail. And the Lord said, yeah, that's how it's supposed to work. That's why you go through a trial, you kind of realize what you don't have, and then you ask God to give it to you. And then you get it. And then the next trial goes better. So if you're struggling with a sound mind, if you're struggling with things, and you're going through some trials, ask God to move powerfully in your life and give you what you don't have and what you need, and he'll do it. Because uh, the enemy is attacking a sound mind. See, more and more in the, in the church that people have, um, they don't really have convictions. They have things that, eh, I, th I think this will work. 
But when push comes to shove, because of a lack of sound mind, the convictions are tending to go out, go out the window. One of the other spirits that I think, along with fear, is a spirit of disillusionment. But I think we need to be disillusioned because maybe we have some illusions about what life is about. I think there's been a lot of lies, maybe through the prosperity gospel, or that, that everything should go good and everything should be nice and we should be prosperous and healthy and wonderful. And, and when trials come our way, then something's wrong. But no, when trials come our way, maybe something's right. Maybe when trials come our way, God wants to use us in a supernatural way. You know, those scriptures where it says, which are always quoted, I think, almost always wrong. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You know, usually boxers put that on the back of their shirt. You know, I can, I can do all things. I can beat up this guy. Uh, but really, all those scriptures, both of those scriptures are in the context of trials. All of those scriptures are in the, con- in the context of going through tough things and saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So next time you're in a trial, that's the time to quote that scripture. Next time you don't have what you need, that's the time. that You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You're more than a conqueror in the midst of every trial. And of course, we've seen, we've seen that amazingly in John's life. Amazing testimony of how many things that he has done and is doing along with Don as well. Uh, amazing to me, just encouraged and strengthened and excited me about whatever's ahead for me in my life and whatever the Lord has for his church and what the Lord has for, for Lifeline as you take up that amazing heritage like Timothy received from his mom and, and grandmother. But that's, that attack against a sound mind is, is so important. And, and the illusions, maybe some of the illusions we had about life, about Christianity, need to be torn down so we can be a bit more realistic. But with that realism, realize that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And with that sound mind, I believe we can step into, you can step more into your destiny. I remember... I, two times I had to get di, uh, disillusionment out of my life, big times. The first time, being a child of the 60s, I was, I was a wannabe hippie because I'm a little bit too young to really be a real hippie. But I was in those days, I had, you know, American flag patched on my butt and, you know, was one of those guys who showed up at church, kind of like Joel shows up now with the long hair and beard, you know. Like, who wants a guy like that in my church, you know, in a dirty of it? Um, so, but, but when I first got into the hit, you know, it's peace and love and everybody was going to love each other and then ran into a bunch of hippies who were lying, thieving rascals and realized that I was under an illusion. And I kind of, that happened to me when I first went to church because I got saved and, you know, Christianity and all Christians are going to be loving, caring wonderful people, and I found out that the church is, was filled with a bunch of messed up people like me. And it was like, well, you know, I think I'll go to a different church. That was the, that was the first thing, because this church doesn't quite meet the standard. 
I, 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 and, and I realized that, no, that was a, an illusion that we're supposed to hang out with messed up people because we're messed up. And uh, <laughs> my wife has amazing discernment. And oftentimes through the years she would say, I don't think you should be like helping that person. They're, you know, you're gonna get hurt. You're, they're, they're not a good person. And I said, yeah, I, I, I trust your discernment. You're probably right, but you know what? Jesus hung out with mostly demon-possessed people and all kinds of, and Judas and all kinds of rascals. So I, I just figured that's what we're called to do. Someone once told me, if you're, if you're not regularly hurt and absorbing that hurt and growing through that hurt and that disillusionment, then you're probably not taking enough risk. Probably not stepping out. Probably not sharing your, that multiformic grace of God that God has placed on your heart. So if you've been hurt, if you've been disillusioned, if you have fear in your life, feel like you're confused about things, don't understand things, that's because you're, it's part of the spiritual battle. But, but the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So use that disillusionment, use that hurt, that fear, to really get a sounder mind of understanding what God's perfect will is for your life, who you are in Christ, who in the church, this wonderful, amazing, world-renowned, really, body of believers that I've had the privilege of traveling all over, all over the world like Terry King has, and both of us as we've come to know John and Don and all of you and what God has done here, it's like, where in the world would you find a church like this? And yet, maybe some of us who are even among us and have been enriched by it are under a, uh, some kind of illusion or lack of a sound mind. Thinking it should be easier, it should be better, it should be less messy. But that's an illusion. And that's not a sound mind. And I think things are going to get messier, maybe. <laughs> but I think we could get excited about things getting messy. Because if you look at Paul's life, or you look at the, David's life, or Abraham's life, they were, they were real messy. But God walked with it through them. So let's get that sound mind so we can kind of be like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Because in a time like that, you know, the three children who were in, in Babylon under the Babylonian Empire, and the king rose up this statue and said, every time you hear this music, this music from the world, you need to bow down and worship this statue. And I, I just, I'm inspired by what they said. They said, you know something, king? God can save us from this fiery furnace. But we want you to know one thing. If he doesn't serve us, save us, then we'll never bow down to that statue. So you might be going through a fiery furnace, or God might have you be called to go to the fiery furnace, but have that same thing. God can save you, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're not going to bow down. You're going to have a sound mind and walk through it. And, the, the, uh, and, and perhaps... Hopefully, the same thing will happen that happened to them. The flames didn't touch them. They didn't even smell like smoke. But one thing did happen to them. 
what was, what was bound, their bounds, their ropes that were tying their hands were burnt off. And that's what happens many times. But we need to have a sound mind so we know how to stand and we know how to walk through that. Working backwards, it says we have love. And again, this church has been incredibly, that's been the focus, life together. It's all about love. To be, like it says in Ephesians, to be imitators of God as his dear children and walk in love. Because God gave himself up to us, we need to love one another. And I, I, my first son, his name is Jonathan David, and I particularly, uh, what is it now, Marilyn? Almost, how, old is, how old is Jonathan? 40? 42. Uh, 42. Where's she, where, where she at if I ask when his birthday is? I don't know. I can always remember my birthday for some reason. <laughs> I remember Marilyn's birthday because we got, we got born again on her, her birthday, so it's our triple, triple birthday. Um, but I called him Jonathan David because I, really, I, I strongly believe in covenant relationships, but sometime after that, and I really wanted him to be a man of, of love and laying down his life with a brother and walking in community because that's what I wanted, and that's what I wanted for my son. And... Um, I, and, and the Lord showed me, like, you, we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. I mean, you kind of memorize that scripture because you've heard it so often. But I don't think it's a co coincidence, maybe Shakespeare in his collaboration with the King James Bible put it in 1 John 3.16, which says, hereby we know the love of God. If God, if he gave his life for us, we, all, we ought to lay our lives down for one another. And that's living life together. It's kind of the slogan, what, you, what we're all called to do. That's where I think we most share our DNA with, with, with Lifeline is really about sharing life together, laying our lives down for one another, giving our lives to one another. We, we, we belong, it says in Romans, we belong to one another. So that's, and, and God has given us that spirit. I don't know about you, but the first thing that impacted me, I was living in sin with my wife Marilyn at the time when I got saved, as, as good hippies do, um, and came to the Lord, was doing drugs. You know, I had a great mother who loved me, just uh, amazing mom. She was really fantastic. She's prayed for me every day for five years. And and when I came to the Lord, even though she was a strong Catholic, she immediately was so happy because she'd been, she said, I, I was praying that you would come to know God because you said you didn't believe in God. And she was so happy when I said, hey, I found God. Um, great mother. But you know, when I, when I gave my life to, to the Lord, the first thing I felt was the love of God. It's like a love I'd never felt before. And, and, I, and I realized for the first time in life that I could actually love people and love others in a way that I was totally incapable of loving before. Because it's the Spirit of God that gives us that love to really lay down our lives and walk in that, walk out with one another. We really, and fi finally, we need the power of God. And I think, I think one of the scriptures that, that God has given me to, to share with you, it's another experience I had, 
in, in, in regards to the power of God. Because I, I went to, I don't know why, I don't know how it happened. I guess it was close to where we were living, but we ended up going to a free will Baptist church for a while. When I was in this free will Baptist church, the, the pastor, it's like every other week, if not every week, he would say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I was like, that can't be in the Bible. It doesn't seem like my relationship with Jesus. Work out your salvation. with It's in Philippians 2.12. It's like, work out your And it's like, I don't like that scripture. And if I, if I find a scripture I don't like, it really bothers me. You know, I, I, I should like it. It's an exhortation from Paul to the Philippian church. Work out. So I looked up fear, and it says dread and phobia and fear and terror and horror. And so I to, let me look up trembling. Shake with fear. It's like, it's like, I don't get it. It's not my experience. And I, God has said this to me many times, and he said this time. He said, well, read the next verse. And it says, for it is God who works in you, both the will and the work for his good pleasure. He'll give you the desire, and he'll give you the power. That's what it's saying. So it's like, oh, well, that's good. Because working it out on my own doesn't sound like much fun. But if it's him who's working in me to, do it, to give me the desire and to give me the power to do it, I can do that. So we need the power of God. We need, we need to get on that sound line. We need to fan into flames. We need to stand against fear and disillusionment that are, that are, or disappointment that's been kind of, and just the lies and the confusion that's coming from the world in so many areas that are dividing the church, that are confusing God's people because they don't have a sound mind. And kind of as this year, I decided to pray and kind of a, I want to conclude with these two thoughts. I decided to pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's like, I said, but I'm going I'm to try to pray it with all my heart and all my mind and really understand the Lord's Prayer. And it didn't get very far in the beginning. It's like, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, art, you know, I'm not going to use that when I pray. And, 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 you know, dear Heavenly Father, it's okay. But, you know, okay, he's our, my heavenly father. So, you know, heavenly father, I, 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 I can do that. I, I usually don't start my prayers with heavenly father, but I, I, I can do that. He's, he's not my natural father. He's my heavenly father. He's in heaven. He's powerful. He's got authority. He's reigning on high. Yeah, okay. And then it was like, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. What does that even mean? Hallowed, okay. Well, thought about it that his name would be sanctified. What's his name? His character and his person. It's like, okay, that the, the character and person of Jesus Christ, the character or person of the Father would be made holy, would be sanctified, would be set apart in my heart. That everything I do and the things I say and the things I think, that the, the, the character and the person of God would be sanctified in me. Kind of sent chills through me as I prayed that. But not only sanctified in me, but sanctified in my family. Sanctified in the people I'm walking with. That his name this year especially would be made holy among us. That we, that we would live in a way that would sanctify the name of our Father. 
That's what God's calling us into more than ever. And it's a mysterious, wonderful, exciting thing that, God's gonna, that God is doing in the midst of all that, that's happening. And in the end, thinking about just having the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to take us to Luke 11, 11 through 13. Because it's, again, I, I, I'm amazed at how Luke, uh, how Jesus, in Luke especially, puts the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift, the gift, the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, he puts it together with a kind of a, uh, and Matthew does that too, but Luke, Luke puts it more with the Holy Spirit, uh, 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 with fear. It's like the scripture says, you know, really in the end, he says, you know, all of you are, we're all bad fathers. There's only one. Uh, it's like when he said, oh, someone said to him, good Lord, and he said, why do you call me good? I mean, I think the answer was, well, because you're God, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't answer that question. He just said, why do you call me good? There's only one, which is the Father. I think if they would, if you, if you were to de- develop the, the statement, I think it would have said, and me too. But why are you calling me good? Is, do you realize who I am? But anyway, he's the only good one. He's the only good Father. But us even being bad fathers, I mean, we're not so wild that if our son asks us for a piece of bread, we're going to give him a stone, or asks us for an egg, we're going to give him a scorpion, or asks us for, you know, uh, a fish, we're going to give him a snake. It's like, how absurd would that be? It's interesting how the, sometimes we just read verses like that, we don't really think about what God's saying. It's like, you even being not such a good parent, you're not going to do something that silly. So why would you think if you're really desiring and wanting to move in the gifts of the Spirit, you really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you, why would you be afraid that, oh, maybe you're going to get something that's not a God? If you really have that, that, that scripture, like it says in Corinthians, that you earnestly desire the best gifts, but Paul at the end of 13, right after that statement, he goes, but I'll show you a better way. And then he goes into Corinthians 13 and talks about love. So if you're really motivated by love, that love that God has put into each one of our hearts when he gave our life to him, if you're really motivated by that and you want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and you realize you need to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and you need the gifts, supernatural gifts of the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, why would you think God's going to give you something that is really good? Let, don't be afraid. Step out. Ask God. And if you blow it, keep stepping out. Keep doing it again. And, and, and every time, God's going to teach you and grow you and mature you and usually use you more and more mightily. And these are exciting times where God wants to use the church. And I think we need to respond quickly. If God has placed something in our heart, we need to run to it. We need to be excited about it. And if we don't have that excitement, we have fear. We need to stand against those spirits and move out. And I believe that's what, what the Lord has for us this morning, what the Lord has for Lifeline. And I just want to read that first scripture again. For this reason, for who you are, for the heritage that you've been giving, for the times we're living with, for the purpose and plan that God has for you as individuals, as a family, as a church, as a church family, for this reason, the Lord would remind you to fan into flames the gift that God has given you 
through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you for what you have for us, Lord, this exciting time. And we just pray for your excitement, for your desire, for your passion to just be set ablaze in our hearts that we can, Lord, be this light and salt in the power of your Holy Spirit. Stand against every spirit of disillusionment and fear and discouragement that has come upon your people, Father. And we cast it down. We cast down that spirit. We just ask for that. The power of your Holy Spirit. We ask for more of your love, Lord Jesus. And we ask for that sound mind. Just heal our minds. We know that we have the mind of Christ. Help us to hook into it. To have understanding and discernment. To realize that our life are supposed to be living sacrifices. Even when we're hurt and discouraged and disappointed, help us to, to, to stand firm in you, Lord, and receive your heart and your inspiration and your encouragement and your reality, Lord, so that we can go forth in love, in joy, and in peace. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And we just pray, Father, that your name would be glorified. We pray, Lord, that your name would be sanctified in us and through us and among us, Lord, in this year. And as, as, as often, the ministry team, I guess, will be in, in the back. And I'll, Meryl and I will be joining. If anyone would like prayer for any of this, any of these things that you might be going through, we'd, we'd love to pray for you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.